Welcome to Sin City. Get ready for in-depth chat on new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you cinephiles. Only on CMRU.ca and Feel Loud Images. And now, to your host, Nick Manenses. Hello there, and welcome back to the city. I am your host, Nick, and joining us is our other boy straight from Houston, Texas, Rico T. Allen. Hello, Rico. Glad to have you back on the show, man. Always a pleasure, brother. Always a pleasure, man. And you've made it just in time because today, for our very special episode, we're going to do something a bit different we're gonna be deconstructing a franchise almost like a bit of a pitch meeting so we're gonna talk ways on how to save or improve the dceu now let me just say lately this year the dceu has been getting back on the right track that's for sure we got the snyder cut uh the suicide squad by james gunn and we got plenty, and I mean plenty, of epic DC projects coming up next year. But does that mean the DCEU is right back on track? Well, yes, but there needs to be some improvements here and there. Wouldn't you agree, Rico, my man? Man, look, we've had several of these conversations. And I'll just say this, improvement, man, they need a complete overall, complete because there is a way to salvage what is already there but in my honest opinion um i just want to make it pretty clear if you're going to have a starting place um we need to make sure we can use what's already there blend it up and then drink it down so we can shit out something new <laughs> well i wouldn't word that any other way myself rico but yeah you're right and what better way to start than we will be going back and forth on our different ideas how to save the DCEU. This time, we are the heroes to our heroes, essentially. So, let's start with you, Rico. Take it from the top. What is your uh, solution? Alright, twofold. First things first. Um, let's talk about the falter in the beginning of the DCEU. Uh, we know Zack Snyder has this very um, <coughs> excuse me, nihilistic way of looking at uh, superheroes. Now, the DC, the D, the DC uh, continuity has always been riddled with this idea of the heroes being like gods taking real form, taking shape in a real quote-unquote world, uh, versus the MCU or even better Marvel, where the heroes are more ground level. Even if they are omega levels, they're still um, ground level more or less. These are real people. So when you're talking about the DCEU and what should have been fixed first, first things first, Man of Steel, I actually like the movie. I actually like Man of Steel. Man of Steel is a good precedent to set, but then the problem comes into play is Zack Snyder going too heavy on a thematical standpoint versus the superhero standpoint. So where they faltered was the BVS situation of having Superman die so early on, the way that they have me, he's still a young hero. And the first thing they should have fixed was um, Doomsday should have been Bizarro. 
and it would have made more sense for the fact that if you look at how they set the trailers up and how the the uh, scenario is going, it would make more sense that why would Batman, a very rational, the world's greatest detective, just attack a, a, a god-level being like this in such a manner? What would be the purpose of that? So I would think that it would make more sense that make it where Lex Luthor, which is another problem I'll talk about, but make it where Lex Luthor got a hold of Superman's DNA from, from the first film somehow with his scrap his, uh, scramble with Zod, and then he was like, I will make the perfect human being, or the perfect uh, being to be a protector. It has to be under a human's control because we can't trust you. You are not from here. Even though you was raised here, you are not from here. So thus far, you create a bizarro or you create, a, you create the clone of Superman, and it would make sense that he faltered on rescuing people. And then Bruce Wayne is like, whoa, I got to step in. And then it would make more sense for Bruce Wayne to step in and fight this bizarro version of Superman. And then Superman later in the film helps him fight this bizarro version of himself. Because then they could have showed the face cracking, and then the heat vision starts to turn into cold vision as the battle intensifies. Then the real bizarro starts to come out. And it would have made more sense for that. And then, you know, and, and then that, that's my premise of where they should have started. Now, after this, this is what they what they could do to fix everything else. After this premise I'm giving you, the, everything else is one thing, uh, many things they could fix. I mean, I'll pass it on to you, Nick. Of course. First off, did anyone tell you you really need to go to Warner Brothers and slap this pitch idea right in their faces? Because that actually sounds more logical as well. Because at the same time, I would also, to your point, drop the whole death of Superman thing in that same movie, as well as the Justice League cameos too. And just keep it focused on Batman and Superman, because... That's another thing that can be improved with this whole franchise. Like, to quote this video I watched, it's a freaking marathon, not a sprint. It's what? like Batman v Superman. It was only the second film in the DCU, and they try to cram in too much in one movie. It's like, it's like what they did with Spider-Man 3, you know, how there's too many subplots, too many villains and characters, when all of that... If we're being honest, it could have been saved for like two or three more movies. And the, yeah. same, the same thing with Suicide Squad is very guilty of this as well. The, the first one, I mean, the, the crappy one. And because it tried and also tried to put too many Easter eggs, say, oh, look at us. We are part of this big universe. Oh, that's Batman. Oh, that's the Flash. It's like we get it already. But it doesn't really stand on its own. The DC... The DCEU is at its best when its movies are stand on their own. Like, take a look at Wonder Woman. Yes, there's a reference when she emails Bruce Wayne, but that's but that's it. It's its own story. Just make it out of its own movie, not part of this big, wider universe. Right, and the thing about it is, if you're confident in your universe, you don't have to remind us consistently that it's connected. That's number one rule. Like, if we get that Nick Fury showing up at the end of Incredible Hulk, and then Tony Stark showing up at the end. Oh wait, oh no, Nick Fury showing up at the end of, of Iron Man, and Tony Stark showing up at the end of Incredible Hulk. Oh, whoa, we get it, we get it, it instantly. You don't have to inundate us with images, but 
if you want to follow a perfect formula that is not Marvel, what they should have done was, um, this is my next segue, which was the idea of the, I call it the tag team movie. So think Ragnarok. Ragnarok really was uh, Planet Hulk mixed with Unworthy Thor. It was a combination of those two stories. And the thing about uh, Planet Hulk is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite uh, animated films from uh, Marvel, like thus far. Like I'm talking about, it is one of my favorites. And then next to Doctor Strange, uh, the animated version. But the point is that they should have done it like this. Make BVS a Batman movie that features Superman uh, characters and rogues galleries or some of his rogues and then you thread the needle that way to introduce the universe as a whole, you know? Because think about it. You have the dynamic of Bruce Wayne, billionaire uh, philanthropist playboy, and then you have Lex Luthor, uh, billionaire fundamentalist um, tycoon who is a super genius as well, going again and then you have Superman in the in the middle who's kind of sandwiched between these two titans of industry and he's just a farm boy from Kansas. So you have and you have these two rich men between this poor person who has more power than them physically. So you tagline Superman because it's BVS, it's Batman versus Superman. So Superman has a secondary title. So it really is a Batman film that features Superman when you look at the aesthetics of it. But the problem is, in the movie, the villain really should not be Batman or Superman, obviously, but the trope of bringing them together at the end should have been brought about because Lex Luthor was pulling strings. They put Lex Luthor out in the front too heavy. So the way that they could have fixed that also was that they could have made Lex Luthor uh, uh, senior somebody that knew Clark as a child and Lex Luthor Jr. is the son to take over. Huh. And he's now trying to live in his father's shadow. He, they could have, you could have gone into deeper details of him trying to make up for not being, you know, everything, you know, trying to impress daddy, you know? So it, him trying to impress daddy's like, I'm going to show you dad. I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you better than I can tell you. So he goes and he goes and gets um, the red son files. And now he creates Bizarro. And then this gives you a reason to have Batman saying, uh, Superman's back to weird. Like, and then he can, then you can have him talking to Alfred about, look at this. When he saved this guy, he, he kind of just did it willy-nilly. He didn't, he wasn't careful. He's usually careful. And this is a reason to bring Batman out of retirement if he thinks Superman is becoming a threat. Huh. My, my Rico. My, you just blew my mind. <laughs> that, wow. And yeah, that actually make more sense. And also, what I, I strongly agree with other fans' opinion that if they're going to cast Lex Luthor Sr., like the mainstream Lex Luthor, they got to go with uh, Brian Cranston for the role. Like he actually fits the character. Like it's Heisenberg we want, not Eisenberg. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> Come yeah. on. And to build up on your other point is when you mention Zack Snyder and his how he's a huge fan of his nihilistic tone in his films and all that. First of all, not to be harsh on the guy, but the whole Batman v Superman's tone, that actually goes down to, you guessed it, the real villain, Warner Brothers, who always got to stick their nose everywhere. And that's another thing. 
how to fix the DCU. Choose the right tone. Because Batman v Superman, yes, Batman is one of the darkest superheroes of all time, but it doesn't make sense for Superman to be that bleak and brood all around the place. And the same with Suicide Squad, which felt like it was trying way too hard to be a Guardians of the Galaxy or like a, a Marvel wannabe movie. It's, yeah. Which is another two lessons that we can teach to not just DC writers, but any upcoming filmmaker. Don't change the tone of your movie while it's still in production. And the other, let's not forget that these guys, they became popular for being childhood heroes who wore colorful costumes and beat up cheesy supervillains. Yes, I mean, that, that is ultimately, you, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, these characters go back into the golden age. You know, these are, like, these are what's called Elden characters. These characters perceive everything like when you're talking about the new age of Greek myth or the new age of any myth, these are basically our versions of these characters because these are analogs for real characters. But to further the conversation along, even more so on the lines of fixing the DCEU, um, even more so, um, let me just pre let me just emphasize this. Diana's movie, oh, the, um, the uh, Wonder Woman movie, the way the format should have been should have been the BBS movie should have been the Batman film, right? You know, it should have been the bat. It should have been the Batman film through and through, right? And then the next movie after that should have been maybe um, even if not um, a Superman film, but it should have, it should have been matter of fact it should have been Man of Steel two, and then feature Diana at the end of BBS to to show that she saw she witnessed the fight. And it was like, huh, so the age of the gods has returned. And then that's when her, then you introduce her in BBS, I mean, um, Man of Steel 2. And the villain in Man of Steel 2 could have outright been, still been Lex Luthor in the background. Because the thing about it is Lex Luthor is a staple villain. He cannot be uh, thrown away just so easily. He is he is uh, Superman's ultimate arch nemesis. So the way you do it is Man of Steel 2 should have been a threat like not Doomsday maybe, but somebody you know of of, of high caliber, like somebody like Metallo. Like matter of fact, make it two low level villains to even it out. Because Lex Luthor is going to be the linchpin, and then he's going to have a henchman villain operate as the foil of Superman. So you bring that in, and then you bring in a magic element. Because the reason why you bring in a magic element is because Batman is tech. Um, Superman would be quote unquote your cosmic, and then Wonder Woman is your magic. So you bring in magic, and then Lex Luthor found a way to fuck with magic so he can damage uh, Clark. Now you got to bring in Diana to show him how to avoid this magic, and then you introduce other small magic characters. Like Batman's like, oh, I know a guy. And then you bring in John Constantine just for a cameo. Nothing big, nothing too big. Or he goes to see Zatanna and be like, oh, well, how'd you get the talisman? Oh, we had a thing back in the day. It's no, no big deal. You know, this is how you thread the needle of your characters properly. And then after Man of Steel 2, then you bring in Wonder Woman. And it goes back to that end tag of her. Bruce talking about, yeah, I've known about you for a while, but I didn't I didn't want to address you. Oh, Bruce Wayne, I knew about you when your parents first died. But, oh, damn. You know, so it, you you introduce familiarity in, a, in, in, in certain dialogue choices. And then from there, in the Wonder Woman film, now you introduce... Uh, she, you go back in time. This is your 
this is your Captain America first Avenger film, right? You go back in time, and then the end credit tag of Wonder Woman could be you leading into um, uh, Flash in, in a form of fashion. Because what you're tagging with her looking at Hermes' boots, and I'm like, why are these things going with electricity? Hermes never... And it's like, oh, God, there's something else going on. I mean, any any element to lead to the next member, or even if you ended it right there, then you pick up the flash, you can pick up the flash film. You know, this is how they should have done it in a good chronological order. And then the flash film introduces Cyborg's accident and everything in it, because even though I like Cyborg, he's a tertiary character, and he, you could throw him in with Batman or the flash, because these are science tech-based characters a lot of times. You throw him in there, and then now you have uh, the, the establishment of the DCU. And at the same time, on the back on the back burner, as you have all of these things happening on the forefront, on a lower level, some of the the weaker villains that they've captured in all these movies, now you get your first Suicide Squad film. My, my, my. Very cool. Well, yeah. Right. Wow. You really have done your homework. <laughs> and, and you agree with all your points, too, because that's another thing also is which you brought up. It's more about the the correct order each film should go to, because if we're going back to that movie, Justice League, I think it suffered mostly because for many, many things that would fill up this entire episode. But in this case, it's because it's, it came out way too, way too early. It's too soon because think about this. If we compare it to the MCU, and by the way, to all those listeners out there, no, this isn't a debate whether Marvel is better than DC. That's completely irrelevant here. But think about this. The whole build up to the Avengers. Before we got to the Avengers, we got two solo Iron Man movies and one solo Cap, Thor, and Hulk movie. So when we saw it was all years of build up, we've had like four years since 2008 to build this all up. And it's a lot of patience and our patience paid off and we finally got to see them together and it felt so glorious. And with the DCU, with the original format, we got... One Man of Steel movie, uh, Superman, a Batman and Superman movie, and Suicide Squad, which had nothing to do with the Justice League. One Wonder Woman movie, and we uh, and half of the they released the Justice League movie without half of its members being introduced beforehand. Like it's like the it's like the creators thought we don't need to show them an origin story. Everyone knows what their origin stories are, but. Yeah, the comic book fans do, but not us, the the casual moviegoers. So when we first saw them team up back in 2017, it didn't feel, you know, I it didn't feel earned. I didn't feel satisfied at at all. It it's all a matter of patience because this is all about catching up to Marvel's success. If you think about it too deeply, which is pretty obvious, it's very hard to ignore. Right. I mean. And to your point, the reason why I said they need to have tag movies, like basically instead of making them a soul, quote unquote a solo film, you have like um, the world's greatest, you know, um, uh, story arcs. Basically, you team up two different characters together in each film, 
and then then you you branch off from there or you throw in a character that has like i said you throw cyborg in with um with flash because a lot of people don't know about cyborg but then if you throw cyborg in with flash movie you can you can separate to have 35 minutes of runtime like not completely but 35 minutes of you learning about victor and his problems because everything that you saw in the snyder cut could have been put for, for victor could have been put in the flash movie every single thing from the relationship with his mom the relationship with his pop with his father i mean every, and uh and how this accident occurred everything could have been placed in a flash movie and then the flash could have been working with cyborg to help build him back up and then also us introduced us to barry allen you would have had a more contemporary story by the time you got to Justice League, and you understand these characters, you understand their motivations, and also the lineup. Like Arthur needed a movie by himself anyway, which you know, because the Aquaman movie actually is a good movie. I like the Aquaman. Um, Arthur should have had his own story as well before the Justice League movie came out. Like you said, they crammed three out of six members into the back burner of the movie, and you're like, okay, we get, we know these characters, but. The issue, the main issue is, is that you should have done variations of Batman and Superman back and forth. And then you introduce other characters into each individual movie, or you do duo, du uh, duet movies, you know, where everybody, you introduce a certain, a uh, different league member at a time. And then you would have filled out a whole roster over the course of three or four films, and then you could have dropped Justice League on us. Another problem is, is that Justice League, I mean, uh, Warner Brothers has a habit of trying to they, 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 they want to put 20 on 10 and then rush the process. They don't trust the process at all. And also, they don't have any directors that they're willing to put 100% faith in. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Zack Snyder. I love his, his the way he does film. But the problem is Zack Snyder being a person of film and not a person of uh, what you would say, say uh, genre based um thematic um uh, uh, genre based thematics basically like taking a superhero genre even though you want to apply a subgenre to it you still have to make it a superhero film at its core right thank you i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's another point i want to <clears throat> address the true villain of this entire franchise is None other than the Dark Lord Warner Brothers. Because, yes, I, I, I love ranting on them. I can rant about them all day. But in this time, you're right. Because they really need to get their shit together, first of all. Like, that studio, the they're not. They're definitely not Kevin Feige. Like I mentioned in our Suicide Squad episode, the closest thing we got to a Kevin Feige in Warner Brothers is none other than Donald Trump's Treasury Secretary. And we got Chris Terrio, who, yes, he was a good writer back then, having written Argo, which won Best Picture back in 2012. But he also, you know what else he wrote? He also happened to write Rise of Skywalker and Batman v Superman. And they're trusting him to give it his best shot. And you're right, they, they really don't trust their own directors. In fact, they 
they always they fire some of their directors midway through production even they announce some big project and this is something that happens in every dceu film they announce some big spin-off sequel or uh big project but they never follow through on it they cancel it like after a week or a month after announcing it and out of all the directors out there two of them james wan and james gunn they're the only ones who are on pretty good terms with warner brothers really like patty jenkins she she dislikes them for for refusing to put wonder woman 1984 in theaters don't get us started on Zack snyder that is an episode for another time David Ayer, oh my lord, as we know, they didn't even, they completely refused to let him show his cut in theater. So the Ayer cut, I'm not sure we're going to get that one anytime soon. Yeah, and Warner Brothers, oh my god. And even Birds, the director of Birds of Prey has a feud with Warner Brothers too, man. And they even fight their own stars on set. God bless Ray Fisher and... When you mentioned Aquaman, let me just say there's something else I want to get out of the way, and that is, fuck you very much, Amber Heard. I will cover your movies when you're in prison. Until you, Rico. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, th this is the biggest issue I see with how Warner Brothers' uh, strong arms. I mean, I'm just going to make this point real quick. Warner Brothers needs to keep they need, they need to keep in the business of making sure the movies get produced. And outside of that, they they don't have, they need a Kevin Feige. They need a Kevin Feige. The only problem is they don't have any comic book enthusiasts, people who understand how to adapt. The uh, See, a director can only adapt so much from the screenplay, but you need somebody who can adapt from the source material to modern times and then get it into screenplay format. You don't have many directors that do that. And also, they have a bad habit of going to get people who are quote-unquote well-established. And I, I understand getting somebody that you're familiar with, you know, like anybody like a James Cameron or hell, even a Ridley Scott. I get that. But the issue is you need to scout for younger, newer talent that understands the, that understands the youth, understands the culture of comic books. Hell, even if you understand just how things maneuver, I mean, because look, Marvel knows how to go scout for talent. Even though people gave, I'm just going to make a segue, even though people were shitting on the Eternals, from what I'm understanding, I'm like, it's really just a miscommunication of understanding of any enlightenment, because the audience score for the Eternals is actually pretty decent. You know, it's pretty decent. So, with that being said, um, I want to just make sure we go into looking at what now that we we've theorized what we could have done now what do we do from here what is the goal from here now and my idea right now is okay the flash movie is going to basically be flashpoint we we know that it's going to be flashpoint so flashpoint is going to reintroduce the quote-unquote new 52 of the dceu now you need to reinvigorate all of your characters properly properly because now that everybody kind of knows these characters on an off-handed way now you need to reinvigorate your universe martian manhunter needs to be needs, needs to be put in um a film a cosmic film or a film that's dealing with the green lanterns you need to place um people like constantine and zatanna 
with um, a, a character like Raven from the Teen Titans. You can, you have all of these characters. You can make, you can have a world-ending threat from one character, and then bring the problems of that character to the screen. Matter of fact, uh, uh, let me just put this one on on the table. Justice League War, a great film, animated. DC is knocking out the park. They're animated and um and they're streaming stuff. Justice League War was. The, the quintessential film that Justice League tried to be. It, it, it's the same premise. The only difference is you swap Apocalypse out with, with um, I mean, you swap uh, Darkseid out with uh, Steppenwolf. That's it. But the problem I see with how they handled it is they didn't pick up a good lineup of heroes. You need, I think you need, I mean, you could just deal with six, but they should have had seven. Shazam, actually, we forget, we failed to mention Shazam. Shazam is actually a good movie. It's a, it, 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 it fits the mold of being a movie onto itself. DC needs to go ahead and allow movies to fit in the genre or the lighting, or, or not lighting, the genre and or tone setting like Marvel does. Like, I will keep reiterating this. The Dark Knight worked because Christopher Nolan grounded the character for his vision, and then he basically made a a, a, a cop, a, a cop, basically a, a detective noir with a superhero aesthetic. I, I've said this several times. I've told Emmanuel several times. Um, Captain America: Silk, not Civil War. Um, of uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Winter Soldier was an espionage film. It takes you back to the days of Bond. I mean, I'm just saying, it, it, you you can do these things with DC. The problem is, their characters are too powerful to quote unquote ground them. So what do you do? You make the fantastical understandable. Nobody's gonna th- nobody's gonna be mad about you making the fantastical understandable. It's fiction. <laughs> we should put that as the tagline of our episode, Rico, my friend. And yes, like you mentioned, that's something else. I also mentioned time and time again to Emmanuel as well. Treat these superhero films, these fantastical stories, as though they're part of a niche genre. Like I mentioned before, Wonder Woman. What is Wonder Woman? It's not a superhero movie. It's a World War I epic. Logan is not a superhero movie. It's a Western noir. It's like... I think, and to answer your question before on what do we do with the DCEU moving forward? Well, for one, I'm more than happy to see where they would go if the Snyder Cut ever comes out. Spoiler alert, it's not. And if it... Like if it... You mean the air cut, right? And they, they, the air cut, yeah, air cut. It's not possible, unfortunately. The Snyder cut, mm, I would hold my breath for that one just yet. But Snyder cut came out on HBO. Oh, the 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 continuation, the um, the Snyder verse. The Snyder verse. The Snyder verse. Yes, because I feel it would be more stronger if the DCU focused for just for now on standalone stories, individual stories. Like, let's take a bit of a look. Like one before the Snyder Cut even came out, Wonder Woman, Shazam, Aquaman, The Suicide Squad, and to a certain extent, Birds of Prey, they all are considered the best in the DCEU with probably the most fresh, the fresh ratings on Rotten Tomatoes because they 
their movies. They focus more on the story and the characters rather than trying to connect the dots everywhere. It worked because it was its own standalone story. And the same can be said for the other DC films outside of the DCU, like the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, Tim Burton's Batman movies, the, and of course, 2019's Joker. They're both... They, you can call them, they stand out not just as great superhero movies, but just great movies, period. None of them are tethered to a particular franchise or universe. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're genre films, effectively. And the problem is, I think um, where Warner Brothers steps in is they try to overemphasize the genre film uh, aesthetic, you know? Like, we okay... We appreciate a, a, a superhero film based in a genre-based film because we, we like the idea that these heroes have different tactics and ways to deal with things. Like, understand something. These um, going forward, what I what I would assume, what like me personally, is that they're going to reboot the universe because somehow they're going to make where Ben Affleck and um, Robert Pattinson's Batman's are going to co are going to coexist on different timelines, so they're going to go the Loki route of converging these timelines, and it's going to be the crisis on infinite Earth. Because, honestly, we we should have been, at this year, 2021, we should have been at uh, the first crisis. We should have been at the first crisis. The first crisis should have been where the Flashpoint movie should have already happened. Like, if you look at the, the, the state of time and that we've been taking right now, the Flashpoint movie should have already happened a few couple years ago. And then we should be at the first crisis movie, which would basically be um, Avengers 2, effectively. Or better, better yet, it would be Captain America Civil War. It, it would be a film set around one character, but then now you have all this chaos happening around them. Or technically, that would be Flashpoint. But the reason why I'm saying that is because now with what they have going forward, they need to go ahead and say, okay, hey, we're about to lay down this set of films and this set of films. You need to have brother and sister booking films um, for for the DCU going forward. And what I mean brother and sister booking films is, okay, Shazam 2 should start off with dealing with magic. Like I said, you got to have these characters based in what realm they're going to be in and then what side characters you bring in after that. The Shazam family was introduced in the first film. And nobody, nobody, nobody was mad about that. Everybody was like, oh, whoa, okay, this is this is something that's comic accurate. People accepted that. Black Manta was introduced in Aquaman. People accepted that. And the point I'm bringing is, where are we going to go with DC when it comes to how we look at these characters being uh, fleshed out after Flashpoint? What hap what what happens after the Flash? Hmm. Very good question. Very very good question. Well. If the Snyder Cut is anything to go by, and assuming that, and since it's going to take place before the Flash movie, I believe that the direction that they're going for, should the Snyderverse ever come out, that is, it's following a similar route to, I believe you're familiar with Injustice, you know, the Injustice comics and video games, where Superman, become, to those who are unfamiliar, 
an alternate timeline where Superman becomes evil after the Joker killed his wife and he starts taking over the world wanting to destroy all crime and Batman creates an insurgency of other superheroes to stop this evil Superman, which is basically the DC equivalent to Marvel's Civil War. So if if we're going in this direction, let's say the Flash will go back in time to stop everything from happening, which brings us to the Flashpoint Paradox. And then the Flashpoint Paradox will then create all these probably all these different stories that we've come to know and love from the, the new 52 comics. And if that outline is going to be similar, if from the DC animated movies, the whole franchise ended when uh, Darkseid uh, fights all of the Earth's heroes and Flash goes back in time to stop that from happening. So I think we're going to, we're heading to the new 52 storyline, I feel, after the Flash movie. I guess so, but the issue with that is because they've already introduced these characters as their new fifty-two counterparts, almost. Oh, really? Because, really, because um, if the the Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, they they follow more like their the classic counterparts, almost. I I I feel. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <coughs> you're right. I'm talking about the lineup. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Jesus Christ. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> you, you okay? What it is is that I think personally, where, where you're right, you're right about them. Um, they, they need to pick up in the new Big Two um, story arc line of things. But where I sit is that where they're going to go after this, really, with after Flashpoint, if they're going to pick up with the new Big Two counterparts, okay, fine. The Snyderverse needs to be put the rest after that. Because we as fans are holding on hope for the Snyderverse, and they're going to have to make an executive decision, which is either you reboot the universe with Flashpoint, or you're going to make Snyderverse different by actually allowing Zack Snyder to head the film division of how, the like basically lay the blueprint for how the next story is going to be put out. Now, the issue with that is that Zack Snyder's track record of his nihilism, it becomes apparent. And we need to make sure that the nihilism takes a back seat. The nihilism only goes for a Batman story like, you know, like Long Halloween and and um I think uh and Hush. You know, these those are those are those are stories that you leave for nihilism. But when you're talking about Superman, he's supposed to represent hope, he's supposed to be kind of bright. And they 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 made him too stoic because Effectively, you need to you show the, the flaw in the character, but you have not shown the humanity of these characters properly. Right, and now that you mentioned it, I just had another thought. Because do not get me wrong, I love Zack Snyder, and I and just like you and me, we are excited as hell to to see the Snyder cut go forward. But at the same time, everything has an advantage and a disadvantage, and I feel what you just said. The disadvantage of having the Snyder cut or the Snyderverse released and the whole nihilism out in front, it would make the tone of the DCEU feel very inconsistent, wouldn't you feel? Like we got Shazam and Aquaman, the two most lighthearted movies, and then we got uh, the 
all these different movies which are very dark and nihilistic it wouldn't really work well together wouldn't you feel like i'm not saying change the style style and tone are completely different because again for another comparison uh the mcu even when it reached its darkest movies like say uh, whenever all the thanos movies the the tone felt still felt quite consistent i feel there needs to be like it fit well the balance between comedy and drama i'm not saying make it completely humorous but there has to be also a balance to it make it too hilarious and people might feel it might make people cringe and feel unfunny and make it too dark and bleak, the audience might get bored and give up. Well, once again, you, uh, you've established um, your characters in such a, in such a um, very hardline manner to where you can't even maneuver with them without there being a little cringe or without a little, you know, um, a little, um, less than likable effort being put forward because the issue i see right now is okay barry allen though quirky was never really a jokester you know so it goes back to that thing of like why is it that the animated the animated versions of these characters are drawn out be quiet um sorry my dog why are these animated versions of these characters like wigging out Versus, oh, wait, well, not working out. Why are these animated versions of these characters? Why are they set up so well? And then you take a, a back. You're taken aback by these these um these characters that, that are being portrayed by real, by you know, by live action. The thing about it is, is a lot of uh, one thing that I've heard people talk about is they should have had Wally West instead of Barry Allen. Barry Allen just got reinvigorated within the past 15, 15 so odd, some odd years. Before then, we all grew up with Wally West and then with the uh, Justice League TV series. We grew up with Wally West as our Flash. We grew up with John Stewart as our um, as our Green Lantern. We grew up with um, Hawk Girl and Marsha Manhunter as our secondary characters instead of uh, Aquaman and um, Shazam. You know, so this is the point: is that he he put a new Fifty Two with the lineup more or less, but then. It's this well, instead of Shazam, which is why Shazam got his own film, because they, they try to make up for the fact that he left Shazam out on a new Big Two lineup. But that's beside the point. The point is, is that when you look at how the characters have presented themselves by the writing, Barry Allen's never been a jokester. He's been kind of like a like he, he's 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 more chill. But Barry Allen is a tortured character as well. Like he's he's no different than Batman. Like in, in his origin, he's really no different than Batman. You know, so writing Barry like Wally, because we familiarize ourselves with Wally, it just now it just feels like you're making Barry into a in, in, into a version of Wally. Right. He's like, uh, they even go as far as to describe Barry in the DCU like Peter Parker wearing the speed suit. Cause but that's supposed to be Wally. Exactly. Wally, right. Wally is supposed to be, uh, it's supposed to be Peter Parker in the speed suit, not Barry. <laughs> Right, but of course, no disrespect to as Ezra Miller. He was really great, and also to anyone listening, I we just want to get this out of the way. Our criticisms are directed to the writing and the production, not the cast and crew. No, not the cast. All of the actors. So you can sh- 
all you haters giving shit on the DCEU, all you like, but do not shit on the actors because they really, all of them, Ben Affleck, Jason Momoa, Gal Gadot, Henry Cavill, and the rest, they really cared a lot about the movies they were in. They really, even in those moments when they weren't, give, when they weren't given the best script to work with, they really gave it their all in every scene. And it shows. It really does show. And to your point, we can go with the new 52. And there's also a second option as well. The DC animated universe, the shows that we grew up as kids from Batman, the animated series, Superman, the animated series, and of course, Justice League Unlimited. Those shows, they were aimed for kids, but they also managed to blend in adult topics as well. They were, they appealed to all of us, like it's for the 10 year olds and the 10 year olds at heart. And it, it told most of the stories they told were like had an original were far straight from the comics but they still kept the the tone the spirit from the comics like we're not asking you to make adaptations of every dc comic you have you can make your own new story like the mcu most of their movies most of them are not based on any comics but they what matters is the heart the tone the style of the comic books it's one thing yeah. to have the thing and it's another to have the passion mm -hmm. like batman v superman yes it was an original story for the most part but they Zack snyder no disrespect to him again i hate to do this to him but he only read the dark knight returns and that's pretty much it Hawk woman, Hawk girl, and then you have uh, Hal 
Jordan's Green Lantern, and then you show Ezra Miller with red hair. Ooh. That would knock all of our socks off. Holy shit. <laughs> and wow. <laughs> um wow. Rico, you must have done a lot of this before, a lot of uh, pitch scripts, because you really have done your research, my friend. And I'm a writer, man. I mean, I, I come up, I write, I write fiction stories for myself. So as a person that enjoys character of insight and how you, you know, how you break down a character, this is pretty normal for me. Like being able to like look at something and be like, okay, I wouldn't have done like that, but okay, I can, I can accept it for what it is. You know, just, you know, um, just, just a quick sidebar. When you're talking about, um, the D, the D, the DC aspect of things, one thing I've learned from watching the animated films and the shows is that they keep everything loose on, on like the plot, the plot lines are kind of loose. You, there, there's nothing very specific with the plot lines, but the characters to their core feel like they are themselves. They don't feel like amalgamations of too much of, of anything. And I get that, you know, when you're animating stuff, you don't have to pay too many people because you can have one voice actor voice multiple people. Granted, but at the same time, every character has to be distinctive in their own nature. There shouldn't be a person that's a Batman that could fly, a version of Batman that can that, that, that use the sonic waves, a version of... We should not see variations of Batman. We leave variants to Loki. In the TVA, that's where variants go. If we have these characters out front and front in front of us, the Flashpoint Batman, uh, Jeffrey D. Morgan for uh, Thomas Wayne, um, if we're going to have Flashpoint Batman. He needs to be like feel like Batman with brutality. Simple. So that's how I'm saying. You just you have to be able to look at the character, look at the comic story origins, and then you look at the story that they're going to bring to the big screen. And how do you adapt that and make it more concise with uh, with the common moviegoer? Easy, right. right? Exactly, true. Like um, like there's no rule that says you need to follow, adapt the work and the comic down to every single frame. Because Watchmen was very guilty of this. I know it's not DCEU, but it follows a similar pattern to our topic because. It's a bit controversial. Some people say it's way, way too faithful, like it's mostly just a copy and paste of the comic into the movie. But keep in mind that many, and I mean many of the best superhero movies, Marvel and DC, they, they still followed the source material, but they also took some liberties with that same source material as well. And going forward as well, if we're assuming that... The DCEU shall follow the outline of, say, the DC animated movies. Like, um, you're, have you seen uh, the Justice League apo- Apocalypse, War on Apocalypse, the Dark Side, and where Dark Side ends up like killing a bunch of heroes, and then Flash goes back in time to stop that from happening? So, what if we do this? After Dark Side gets defeated in the DCEU, who is the next big bad, like the biggest threat in the DCU, rivaled only by Darkseid? Brainiac. Or yeah, yeah, 
<laughs> Brainiac. We could have Brainiac or even others. We could even have Trigon, who is Raven's dad and basically the, the devil of the whole DC universe. Uh, right. Um, or who else? Um, yeah, Trigon, Brainiac, Mephisto. No, no, just kidding. Mephisto is Marvel. Okay, I got one better though. Hold on. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, if Dark Side, Dark Side, in my opinion, is even higher than Thanos on a power scale thing. Like when you're looking at a, a um, like a, a big bad, but because Marvel didn't have all of their, um, they didn't have all the all of their the rights to all their characters. There were certain characters that they couldn't use because these characters were designated to the Fantastic Four or the X-Men. So I, I get they didn't have their whole rogues gallery for the whole entire universe to be able to utilize, but the DCEU does. So to, hear, hear me out on this. For your well, you have a trilogy for your for your villains, right? Every villain has what you call your level one, level two, level three threat, right? Level one for Superman, Zod, Montalo. Level two for Superman, um, Bizarro, um, Lex Luthor, and then Darkseid. The reason why I say Darkseid is because Darkseid always butts heads with Superman because it's something about the Kryptonian. He wants the Kryptonian on his side. He just, he wants it. And then you got Batman. His his linchpin is Joker, but he has a, a thousand different rogues in his, in his category, right? So when you're talking about what requires Justice League as a whole, you need the Legion of Doom. You need the Legion of Doom. Like, it, that that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Because the Legion of Doom needs to operate as the, as the countermeasure to the Justice League, right? So the Legion of Doom needs to be a, a formidable force in, in contrast to the Justice League all the time. Yes, certain characters aren't going to get, quote-unquote, the allocated screen time, but it is the force of nature of the, the Legion of Doom. And then on top of the Legion of Doom, you have people like Mongol. You have, you, have, you know, with, with War World, you have people like Lobo. Like, dude, they have an assortment of characters that you can tie between before you get to Darkseid. So many before you even get to Darkseid. I mean, okay, just, just... That's just me, but I'm sorry, I had to interject that part. No, 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 that's really good. Right, and, wow, also, <laughs> wow, love, love, love this Rico, love it. And or even the, Injust the Injustice League could even be a good fit, especially, you know, with how, you know, how Lex Luthor will be leading it all, and at the same time, too, um, I was, I'm blanking here, but... Oh, right, since the DC Universe, as we know, is big, like big, big, massive. And of course, not every character will be able to get the big screen treatment. So with these TV shows that we're getting, first, we're getting a Peacemaker TV series on January of 2022. It leads to the question, to what extent should all these characters be featured should they deserve a the big screen treatment or should they deserve the small screen treatment like say let's say characters like um lobo uh, zatanna john constantine would you where would you where would they fit best best of all, all these different characters 
so that it doesn't become too confusing because not every single character has to be connected to the big storyline, like a war against Darkseid or Brainiac or all these different big bads. This is where you have confidence in your universe. Even though Marvel uh, branched off the TV shows, the TV shows are faithfully watched. So if you have hardcore DC fans, they're going to watch these TV shows. Now, because the TV shows, I think, are better mediums for some characters, like Peacemaker. Peacemaker is a a B-C-list character that they pulled from obscurity for the Suicide Squad film, which actually, um, the comedian is actually based off Peacemaker. A lot of people don't know that. Um, uh, the, the comedian from The Watchmen is based off Peacemaker. Let me put clarity on that. Um, if you look at the whole concept of putting certain characters on TV, uh, Green Lantern is a primary example because even Green Lantern stories are so massive. I would, I would want to see a Green Lantern TV show. Um, the Flash already has a TV show that's, I think, run a little bit far on its course. I fell off a few years ago, but my point is that ultimately taking some of these characters and putting them in TV shows and then hell, even having a, what I call, uh, they can have a, a, a TV show called The Rogues, which basically it shows the foil plots of certain rogues. Like every episode is, this is a Catwoman's episode, this is Joker's episode, and it just follows a day in the life of a role. This could be Cersei's episode for Wonder Woman. This could be Black Adam's episode for uh, Shazam. This could be Black Man's episode. Like, there are so many different formats they can go with because they have all their characters. It's like, it's too much of... See, Marvel utilized what little they had to build up something bigger, and the, and the DCU has everything, and it's like, it, they suffer from, uh, what is, uh, they say, uh, um, they suffer from an abundance of too much. Like, you have so much that you, well, what do I need to be creative for when I can just pull this character out of obscurity? Right. Exactly. That's true, because, yeah, Marvel did this way back with their Netflix shows, too. You know, with Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and The Punisher. With the exception of two, three of them, Jessica, Luke, and Iron Fist, they're pretty relatively obscured characters. So, I guess... The whole point lesson that can be learned from DCEU is that more doesn't always mean better. You can still feature all your characters, but in different uh, formats. That way it keeps this whole universe from being more contained. Too many characters and it becomes bigger and bigger. It will just explode. Yeah, well, yeah, and it, it, it's not overly cluttered as well. Because uh, one thing I will just highlight is that Marvel did a great job of stringing secondary characters onto major characters for you to be like, okay, cool, I like this. Like, because nobody notices that the Hulk doesn't have his own and his own solo film because of the rights, but they still have a sharing agreement. So what the Hulk does, he even though he's a primary character, in our minds, they, they've are they've they've done a Jedi mind trick on us to be like, wait a minute, the Hulk really doesn't have his own film, but you don't care because you get to see him frequently. So we care about frequency over the fact that he doesn't have his own film. Even though I hate that the Planet Hope story was uh, given to Thor. <clears throat> I don't like that. But it was still the best Thor film. What? <laughs> it's, it, it is sad, but they had to give, they had to give, but, but they still managed to get the Hulk in there. So 
I'm not saying it's the great, it's a great film because they adopted the, a Hulk story to give it to Thor, but they knew to say, okay, hey, we need to be able to utilize Hulk and explain why he wasn't on Earth for uh the uh for um what was it? I think this is the first invasion. I, I forgot. I, I forgot where it falls in the timeline, but I just know um he, he wasn't there for um for a civil war. Him and Thor was not there were not present for civil war because you got to take out key players for the civil war. Because you thought the civil war at the airport was bad before you introduced Hulk and Hulk and Thor to that. That that was just devastating. But that besides the point. DC very much don't, they they can't overclutter. And I think I will put this in as well. DC is afraid to utilize a lot of their black characters. And I'm I'm not trying to go into the whole well, we're gonna make it about race. Let's be honest, those milestone characters could really set off a different division in DC the DC universe. Like even if you make it something of the milestone universe, right? But you connect it to the DCEU in, in a in a larger format, those milestone characters are fucking popular. God damn it, static shock. Static is popular. I mean, I mean that's all I have to say, man. I, you know. Oh no, 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 no. That was really good stuff as always. Wow. <laughs> wow. And yeah, because and that also leads to another thing with all these movies and shows for the DCU you it cannot be it has to be like I said it has to be self-contained because if you introduce too many characters too many threads sometimes when you introduce too many stories most of the time the story will go nowhere it'll end up being unresolved if it gets too overstuffed so I think it's uh, the DC the DCEU it could benefit from having these shows from from ha from having these different characters belong in tv shows keep it let's like try to trim it down more and of course these shows belong must belong in hbo max of course because hbo max is kind of like the the, the arch nemesis of disney plus where all their marvel stuff is kept and uh, and of course the whole thing let's not forget this is dc comics detective comics so it's time the screenwriters and directors start thinking like a detective when they're writing their script and planning their next move. Mm, right. And with that be and with that being said, I'll go ahead and, and uh, add this as an addendum to something I said earlier. Um when you look at DC the DCU as a whole and you actually bring about um the best parts of it, right? You need to tackle what makes these characters uh, unique, and you need to tackle what makes these characters um, great in their own right. Because people are infantilized with the Joker because the Joker is a literally walking, talking form of chaos dressed as a man, as a clown. You know, um, Brainiac is a world-devouring um, he's a world-devouring artist. I mean, he's basically like Galactus. Like, I mean, so if we're looking at people like Brainiac and his purpose and why he wants to do what he needs to do is because he's greedy, he's greedy with knowledge. And also, um, because you got these other characters that have very expansive rogues galleries, they, what DC needs to stop doing is stop trying to um, apply one rogue 
four multiple characters, whereas you can have the league tackle world threatening uh, villains as a whole. Like I said, Mongol. Mongol's a world threatening villain. But the issue comes into play. You need to allow these characters to blossom where they're good at. John Stewart is a goddamn architect. He's a fucking architect. They said John Stewart's constructs are literally solid. And, and they can last long, long periods of time because of his will and because of his architectural skill. That's something you need to highlight within the character. Right. Right. And that's the thing, too, like, like you mentioned at the beginning, because the, 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 the heroes of Marvel are more human, more like celebrities in the MCU. But in the DCU, DC's heroes are essentially gods. But we don't want to see that. We want characters that we can relate to. It's not just about the powers. It's about the humanity in them. We, When you strip away everything, the suit, the powers, they're just like us. They're men. They're mad yeah. humans. Because... Take away, you need to take away the idea that we – okay, you need to have it that as the audience, we are with the heroes as human beings, as people, and not as viewers on the ground in their world. Right, because the – uh, Exactly, because the, the Dark Knight trilogy, why it succeeded mostly is because it wasn't about Batman. It was about Bruce Wayne. In the DCU films, we don't want to see Superman. We want to see Clark Kent. We don't want to see Wonder Woman. We want to see Diana. Yes. And and because these characters have been a part of the golden age of where this this primary idealism of, you know, the great white hope being the Ubermensch, which Superman originally had blonde hair and then after World War World War II kicked off. They changed it to black character. They didn't want to associate Superman with being like Nazis because a lot of Nazis like the idea. Oh, yeah, this guy is super strong. He has all these abilities. But what I want to go back to is the fact that Superman has more than just super strength and flight and, and, and heat vision. He has a, a plethora of abilities, but those are never displayed. Once again, over, over um, inundating itself with the genre-based idea of the film versus actually making a good film that is genre-based. Hmm. True that. True that. Yeah. Right. And wow. And also at the same time, something I've been, it's, it, pre, it seems pretty small compared to all the other stuff as well, but with, is that we get it. We all love Batman. He's the my, he's probably the most fan favorite superhero ever. But at the same time, we could learn by it would be best if they don't make it all about him, overemphasize him. Because if you check the long list of upcoming projects in the DCEU, excluding the new Batman movie, for the DCEU, we got a Nightwing film, a Batgirl film, another Joker and Harley Quinn film, a Red Hood film. And all in the same universe. Like, it's the DC extended universe, not the Batverse. What's they going to do next? Make a Batmobile, the movie? Because with the MCU, yeah, we, you know how they're different, there are different protagonists, but we did, it wasn't all about Iron Man or Captain America. There isn't any like main, main character. 
it feels like it was an actual team effort, not just one hero stealing the whole show. Oh, exactly. I mean, because, I mean, once, when you get back to Age of Ultron, think about, you know, um, even though this is a problem that Tony Stark and um, Bruce Banner made, you know, they, you know, they knew where they messed up and they're like, yo, we, we need to fix this. They themselves created, the, they created the problem that they were trying to make a solution for. And now they need the help of the Avengers. And um, the DCU, they, they anchor the Batman. That's why, and I, 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 I'm going to be honest with you, Zack Snyder is the perfect Batman director because that's not like the Watchmen was a Batman film. Uh, with other characters, you know, I mean, effectively, I mean, but but like to your point, you need to make sure that the love is spread around. Like we get Bruce is the most human character because, but he's also the least human character because um, the fact because the thing that they don't they never highlight about Bruce is they highlight Bruce's humanity a little too much. And what I mean a little too much is that yeah, we're seeing Bruce behind the cow talk to these people but uh bruce wayne in the animated film i think it was um uh it was batman superman apocalypse he was willing to destroy apocalypse with him on it apocalypse i mean uh dark side told you're mortal but you have, he says you have my respect mortal because you're willing to blow me up right. <laughs> this girl you you are you know you're he goes i'm he says i'm ruthless and i wouldn't have even done that Right. Yeah, right. Because in in recent years, Batman is more has become more of an anti-hero. Really, he's almost like a, a non-lethal version of Frank Castle. Yeah. Until, until the right, and you you know, and yeah, I love that scene too, where and Darkseid he is very impressed and and even Amanda and also the real, another thing the DCU could really explore as well as i've seen in both of Emmanuel's scripts is Batman's relationship with Amanda Waller cuz those two they are that would be also a really great story i'd pay to see cuz it could really bring out more of Batman's that ruthless side of him the violent vigilante relationship between Bruce Wayne and Amanda Waller is one of like when Titans collide, what do they do? They stand still because they know that one punch is thrown in either direction. Um the world the world falls asunder. You know, easy. And Amanda Waller is a she is the female corporate version of Bruce Wayne. She is. Yes. I mean I mean I do that like this I just that, that that's my that's just my uh my my take on that, and then also, um, if you would give me any um, credit of anything, it is one simple thing. I will tell you in a heartbeat that we need to stop allowing um, these movie studios to think that just because they give us a plate of shit, it means we're going to eat it up. No, because Warner Brothers really needs to take a back seat and actually, like, they own the licensing and the, the likeness of these characters, but they don't understand these characters because they don't understand the readership of these characters. Like, I don't care. I don't care what your political views are. I don't care what side of the aisle you fall on. Ultimately, we know that the true villain 
in how these movies can be better is that they, if Warner Brothers actually has somebody in there that is comic book savvy, understands the source material, and wants to and wants to tell epic stories. You separate yourself from Marvel by saying, okay, hey, look, we have superheroes too. The reason why movies like or TV shows like uh, The Boys does so well is because it's a satirization, and the way it satirizes the comic book material in shows and in uh, TV format, DC can show that without the satirization. Right. Exactly. True that. They gotta follow. They gotta follow those big three because focus more on independent directors even like james wan for example he's he loved he may be a horror director but he loves the comic book genre as well and and it shows in his films james gunn let's not get started on james gunn he really loves his stuff it's all about the heart i feel you gotta be yourself really like forget marvel forget disney forget kevin feige just focus just on dc don't ever compare yourself to another studio this is about you we don't want dc let's not forget dc started way before marvel it has to think of itself as just the dceu not the next mcu the next uh monster verse or that just be its own thing and it's way cooler that way let's take a deep breath keep that in mind and with all that said I feel the DCEU will be right on track and come back stronger than ever before than it did when the Suicide Squad premiered. And with all that said, that is unfortunately all the time we have left on our show today, but I feel we pretty much covered all of those checkboxes. Well, that's it. Thank you very much, Rico, for coming here. Always a pleasure to have you, man. Always, always. Until then, this has been Sin City Live, cmru.ca, and Feel Out Images. See you next week, same time as always.